0: I am joined on the phone now by Dr. Joe Finkler, who works in the emergency department of St. Paul's Hospital in Vancouver and is now dealing with his own bout of COVID-19. Dr. Finkler, first and foremost, thank you so much for taking the time here.
1: Yeah, it's my pleasure to speak with you.
0: Yeah, so maybe let's just start by getting a quick update on, on how you're doing. I mean, uh, how long have you been uh, dealing with this diagnosis so far?
1: okay so uh it's not exactly sure i was um formally diagnosed i'm going to pull up my calendar here on saturday and i think it's march 20 uh it was saturday march 28th i I went for screening for it had a nasal pharyngeal swab done on march 27th but i think i was probably ill at least a day or so earlier than that, but the symptoms came on, you know, at least to me, they were insidious or crept up on me. Um, And I'm, I'm totally fine now.
0: So when when you were first dealing with this, so it's been almost really two weeks or, or getting close to that anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, when you were first sort of starting to feel like something was wrong, I mean, I guess just, just how did you go about kind of working through that process for yourself as someone who works in an emergency department? I mean, um, you know, it could be a number of different things that you could potentially get. So at what point did you start thinking, man, maybe, maybe I do have a case of, of the coronavirus here?
1: Yeah, that, that's so interesting, definitely. <laughs> excuse me I reiterated this or mentioned this uh, several times to other people who asked both uh, family friends colleagues uh, medical students and and uh, reporters in the media uh, I, I, I I think I was in a tiny bit of denial I, I my first thought was that um, I, I well I felt fatigue and I, I, I attributed that to working night shifts and changes in times my own time zone and um, and then um, I did not uh, noticed some other symptoms which are attributed to the virus. And then my worsening cough, I thought, oh, I'm probably going to get a cold or I've got a bronchitis just like everybody else does or many other people who come to the emergency department. It really wasn't until uh, the night before I got tested and the day of testing, I I was really suspicious that I, I probably have this illness. And that, that was probably because I didn't recognize the symptoms, maybe a bit of denial and, and to some degree ignorance about the spectrum of disease because much of what you hear um, in the media and what's publicized in the medical literature are the common symptoms which are fever and cough and a whole bunch of other things that come at to varying degrees. The commonest thing is fever and cough and I didn't really get fever until uh, the night before I got tested and I had a cough which I'd had a chronic cough at at baseline and it was getting uh, just a bit worse. So that's uh, I but I became suspicious the the night before I got tested and the day I got tested I was I was pretty certain that was going to be it, but before that I was hoping it would be an alternative diagnosis.
0: Now, you know, one of the things that I did read into your story here a little bit and what I've seen from, from your conversations with other people out there was, you know, you haven't seen or when you were working in the in the, in the hospital, there weren't cases of, of COVID around you that you were directly aware of, right? When you were kind of seeing that you might have COVID-19 and then you were sort of doing some some tracing as a result of that. And from what I've seen, you know, there was no one that you were dealing with directly that had uh, this novel coronavirus. So I think that's sort of a, a good way to, to show that. Uh, why why physical distancing and social distancing is so important right now is because you know you you clearly weren't dealing with someone who was symptomatic but they were cl- obviously carrying it somewhere uh, throughout your 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 trips through the hospital there
1: yeah and it's and it's very possible uh, that uh, you know uh, Jeff that I, I may have picked this up outside of the hospital although people might you know hone in that you're in a high risk setting right. but yeah <laughs> that is so true and you know that was a Uh, a a big uh, learning point and a hard way for me to learn this that uh, even though you might not be in direct contact with a person that is COVID-19 positive or carrying the coronavirus, you can still uh, pick it up through transmission, either by touching, putting your hand on a desktop, a keyboard, a tabletop, a doorway, a butt that opens up an automated door, elevator, whatever, handrail, handrail, and then you take your mask off, or you touch your face, and, and boom, uh, you know you're you're gonna you're gonna contract it. Um, so yeah, I, that, it was that, that is true that I didn't have direct contact with any patients that I was aware that had COVID nineteen. The caveat being, Jeff, was that first of all, the guidelines for screening um, were changing. It was a shifting shifting sands or moving target, uh, you know, because we were, everybody was learning more about the disease and senior leadership and infectious disease and public health officers were trying to put together, you know, guidelines that made sense based on the data that was uh, emerging. So initially we were screening people that were travelers to high risk regions. Who had symptoms like fever and cough and, and symptoms that, other symptoms that resembled an influenza or viral respiratory tract infection and, and then we were liberalizing as people knew that uh, you didn 't have to have all the classic symptoms, and there was community spread in other words you didn 't have to travel from uh, 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 Hubei province and of uh, China and Hubei City, and you, you know you didn 't have to have all the spectrum. Uh, of illness to to um, be a candidate for swabbing, so our guidelines were changing. So I didn't swab every single patient I saw in emerge in the emergency department over that time frame, but as we were getting closer to my my uh, illness diagnosis a day uh, they were much more liberal with the guidelines for swabbing and absolutely anybody who was sick and coming into hospital need higher level of care procedure was was for sure all the way along getting the screening so it's possible i saw patients and said uh who came in for an either a respiratory tract infection or didn't fit the the criteria for testing and I picked up from them or came in for another reason, even an ankle sprain or a cut or a fracture and they might've been carrying the virus, like who knows, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Dr. Finkler, too, I did want to ask, I mean, uh, you know, you've talked about that you did go about getting testing, and I think many people have probably seen the videos out there of, of how that swab works, but I just wonder if you could maybe describe what that feels like for people, because, uh, you know, obviously not everyone is getting tested right now, so uh, I'm sure there is a little bit of uh, curiosity about how that feels when that swab, uh, you know, is being uh, put up your nostrils like that.
1: Yeah, pretty, <laughs> you know, i I Done a lot of swabs by the time I'd, uh, you know, um, before I was diagnosed and clocked out of working uh, for my quarantine period and self isolation. So I've seen how people react, and I apologize to everyone. I know it. And um, yeah, uh, it's more than a little tickle. I, I wouldn't say it's horrible and painful, it's more than a little tickle and feels. Uh, very uncomfortable, and the natural reaction is to jerk your head back because it's on a, a long swab. It has to get deep into the back of uh, the base of the nose and go back in the back of the throat deep down to, to get a proper sample. If you're just in the front of the nostrils, you, you may get a, a false uh, a false negative. And so the, the natural reaction is to jerk your head back, and most of us are doing this, uh, put one hand in the swab and one, one hand in the back of the head so you don't sort of arch away yeah it's uncomfortable, not horrible. i you know if people are out there and thinking they have the disease and that's stopping them uh, this is over in a minute. Your worry and anticipation is worse and longer than the actual duration of discomfort, mm-hmm. and this is mild yeah, it's like yeah. getting a vaccination, you know what I mean mm-hmm. people are afraid to kneel before it's over, you're poked and you're done
0: mm-hmm. no yeah that makes a lot of sense um and, and then once you you did get your positive test, can you just sort of take me through how, how you feel felt and, and sort of how the virus progressed? Because we've heard you know there's a, a very a, a lot of varying degrees of how the the COVID nineteen virus can impact people at different levels. So just what was your experience like? I mean, what would you in, in terms of a, a scale of severity? I guess can you put uh, a bit of a. Uh, measuring stick in terms of where you might have been on those obviously the extreme side being people who would have to be admitted to the to to the icu or things along those lines and and the mild people who can just kind of wait it out at home and all they really have is a mild fever when this is all said and done what was your experience like you know sort of somewhere in between those two pillars i assume yeah
1: I, I have to say on a low scale i i I'll confess maybe I'm a wimp um I, I would say a two or three uh, <clears throat> you know, and I would consider like ten being on a ventilator in the intensive care unit requiring critical care and and uh and and many medications to support um vital organs in the body uh mine was a a, a mild case yes, I felt unwell and and crummy i think no worse than some people might feel when they have influenza, which is you know high fevers. Chills, runny nose, watery eyes, sneezing, muscle aches, uh, persistent cough. Um, I, I was probably in that spectrum, even though it's uncomfortable and, and, and uh, makes you feel unwell. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not. I didn't feel I was fighting for my life or that. And I had the most fleeting. Uh, moment that I just wondered in my mind you know i 've heard this this could go could go bad, and there are there are youngish people without uh, many chronic diseases who did up end up on ventilators, and not all of them did well um, and that only crossed my mind for a minute, mostly, I just felt unwell and crummy, and I just sort of wanted to curl up and mm-hmm. do my own thing. Yeah. And it sort of progressed. And it, it really crept up on me. The big thing, the start was this incredible fatigue. Like there was a headwind around me. I was walking in molasses, trying to walk on, through water. All that resistance, which I attributed to the night shifts. There was a fog in my head like I couldn't wake up. I didn't have enough caffeine in the morning or in the evening. And this ca- this cough was a little bit worse, but I'd had a chronic cough. That got a little worse and the one thing uh, <clears throat> i tell people and we've it's a sort of a curiosity i lost my sense of smell had a terrible taste in my mouth, most of which I attributed to wearing a mask. I thought, mm-hmm. well, the emergency department's got some pungent odors um, um, from people's bodily excretions sometimes, and also, of course, uh, the disinfectants that are used are industrial grade. And I wasn't smelling them, but I thought, oh, yeah, no, that's okay. I'm wearing a mask, so of course I'm not going to smell it. So th- I, I, I didn't notice that mm-hmm. at all. And the, and the sense of bad taste, I thought, oh, I'm probably just breathing through my mouth because I'm not used to wearing a mask or mm-hmm. something.
0: Interesting. Um, I, I did also want to ask you too, Dr. Finkler, while I have sure. you here, just, you know, you're looking, uh, you know, you're looking at the, the, the. you're coming out of this now, right? You're starting to see the other side oh, and, 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 totally and yeah, fine. you say you're totally fine now. So now I guess, just, I just, how does this impact you moving forward, right? When you're looking to get back to the hospital and start working again in the, in the emergency department, you know, does is this maybe change at all how you approach things? Are you nervous about heading back into the advir- environment, just sort of where, where's your headspace when you look to go back to work and, and. And when do you think you'll be able to actually start doing that?
1: So I'm as of today, I'm officially uh, out of quarantine and and cleared for work. Somehow I miscalculated and thought it was yesterday, but in fact, the official date today. And that was a moving target, just Mm -hmm. based on public health office their their estimate of when when I was uh, got contracted disease. So they just because my symptoms were insidious and there was no specific. Uh, Marker. They just said, "Well, we'll take it the day you went for your test," Um, and so I I counted that as yesterday. But it actually turns out to be today, according to public health. So I'm out of quarantine. I feel well. I have a residual cough, and I'm 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 able to go back to work. I have I'm on call on Thursday. what's called trauma team leader Uh, so i could be called in if there's a surge or a complicated case that may be too much of a burden to my colleagues who need to move on to other patients and then i'll just continue on and sort that patient out and figure out their disposition so that's on thursday um about going back to work i'm not worried about you know contracting illness obviously again and maybe i feel a little bit immune or or quite immune um but but obviously uh, you know Apprehensive, and then I know that my colleagues might just be concerned that okay, theoretically yes, this person's clear to the virus, and scientifically, but I I can't cognitively I can't accept that, or emotionally I'm just I'm worried like you're like maybe like I'm a a bit of radiation, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm still radiating the virus, even though in people's minds it's sometimes hard to resolve things that have a a motive uh content or force and reconcile that and and we see that in the pol- how our politicians act and our experts on the one hand the science says this on the other hand you know there's there's you know fear or uh speculation come into play and and people um you know even though the virus the case fatality rate's not 100 percent, it's actually quite the reverse people don't care about that and i understand that much better all they care is what will this be the implication for me? Like if I get this, maybe I'm only the 1%. Maybe I'm the unlucky 1% that not only gets infected, but gets seriously ill. And what will impact this to have for my family and means for me to be able to work? So I, I, I understand this more now. And I don't think I appreciated that at the beginning because I was either ignorant or I have blinders or I'm just myopic around that, mm-hmm. and now having dealt with that and understanding, there's you know regulations, guidelines, and people must feel comfortable. You must fulfill these quarantine uh, guidelines and uh, adhere to infectious disease control precautions and all that. So, yeah, I'll feel immune, but I know some people might feel apprehensive about being around me, and they might be happy to see me as a person, but wonder. Great to see you, Joe just step back a little bit, and I'll understand that entirely. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, that's totally fair. Well, uh, thank you so much for doing this, Dr. Finkler. I really do appreciate your time. Uh, I guess while I have you here, is there any sort of message you want to give to the general public or maybe even your colleagues who are, you know, working the front lines here and throughout all of B.C., including here in Kamloops? Uh, You know, is there anything that you just kind of want to put out there while I have you here?
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, I I would say a couple of things in talking to my colleagues, at other places in Canada, and my emergency medicine colleagues in Seattle, Washington, uh, New York, and New Orleans, people I've connected uh, uh, with. Um, first of all, you know, we should be really pl- proud of our, our healthcare planners. They've done an amazing job. I'm Super, super impressed. Um, You know, sometimes you get cynical say, oh, they're managers, leaders, all they care about is just that. You know, the people people have come together and put in the time, the effort, the thoughtfulness, pouring over data, speculation, and Mm -hmm. broken down boundaries between departments divisions in the hospital, uh, hospital systems within a health region to come together. Uh, public health has taken an amazing lead, you know, starting out with the most limited data they could, making the best guesses about what we should do in terms of social isolation, public dispersion, shutting down mass gatherings. I, I, at the beginning of this, before this started and before this all uh, came out you know i i sort of rolled my eyes and said oh yeah sure um and 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 slept it off you know when i was ignorant at the beginning of the, the pandemic and the, looking back you know these people were spot on they made the best decisions and really good decisions for all our welfare uh, I, I think this shutting down the province the movement of people restricting access everywhere is the right choice and 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 i think we've it, it looks like the curve may be flattening a little bit, which means we can't, you know, uh, let up our guard. Uh, you know, the, the second thing is I think that those things that they tell us to do, wash our hands, keep distancing, and perhaps wear a mask or self-isolate if you have symptoms. I think that's all su- super appropriate. And the other thing I'd mention is yeah, you, most of us who get the disease, like n- probably more than 90%, will have a mild case. And maybe that means that you just suffer for a few days, like we do through any small minor illness. But it has implications for workplace, your status, your ability to move around the public and quarantine. It has implications for family members who might also have to be, well, will have to be quarantined because they're in contact with you. Um, and if they have specific jobs in healthcare sectors or essential services, that has implications. And then some people might be appropriately afraid or have a healthy dose of paranoia to interact with in the community. And I I understand that now. Like, who wants to get this disease, even if it's minor? Like, who wants to have to be quarantined or self-isolate? And then who wants to pass it on to other people that are vulnerable, elderly people with chronic diseases, or pass it on to kids that might pick it up? So super super learning experience, I think we're really well positioned here in Canada and British Columbia in particular uh, to deal with the outbreak. And, um, you know, if we're overwhelmed and our our, our system like uh, it meets its capacity to handle critically ill patients, I'll say it wasn't for the lack of planning and preparation and trying on behalf of all leaders and you know, good on our citizens to, to follow the advice. So that's the best I can tell you.
0: Well, I really do appreciate you taking the time to, to speak about, you know, your experience so far and then, uh, you know, inform the public about, uh, you know, what, what you've been going through and how, how you, you've you been dealing with the whole situation. I mean, uh, for you yourself, it was a mild case, and we're happy about that, but that's not the case for everybody. So important that people know to to go get tested. And, and you know, if they are feeling unwell, that uh, they take them those extra precautions. So I really appreciate your time, um, and I really appreciate the message here as well. So thank you so much.
1: Yeah, you have a good day. Take care.